Welcome to episode six of the Nucleus podcast, where we interview friends, bandmates, and discuss all things music. In this episode, I, Jaden Walker, will be interviewing the host of Take My Tone podcast and the man behind the kit at Liz Dexic. Um, now, that name's an interesting band name. Is there a story yes. behind that or <laughs> are you just trying to mess with dyslexic people? Because uh... Uh, No, I, I wouldn't intentionally do that. There is a bit of a, a story, uh, basically... Uh, yeah, we can go into a bit of the history later, but uh, as soon as we found our, our singer and, and there was a good fit and um, she's quite, I guess you say proudly dyslexic. She's not uh, oh, wow. you know, ashamed of any of that. And so we're trying to come up with uh, band names and um, and I, I just sort of threw a bit of a joke out there of, oh, you know, the you know b- back when people would say, oh, if you're dyslexic or are you lisdexic sort of thing. And I was like, oh, well, how about we turn that into... A name, as if it's an actual, you know, like female's name sort of thing, yeah. um, and then it just stuck. So yeah, that's yeah, great. it didn't actually take too many. We 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 um we first hit up the random band name generator. Oh, and yeah. We had uh, yep. Melon Melons of the Preacher that's was a the good first one. random. Uh, gen- that could <laughs> be an EP name or something. Maybe a song. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Liz Dex, that's that's what oh, I do like to. Yeah, exactly. Kind of do preface it because I don't want anyone to. To feel like I'm, uh, you know, <laughs> offending anyone. So no, I'm sure you're raising awareness, if anything. Exactly. Yeah, yes. yeah. And uh, you guys, I, I've seen you've recently released a, a pretty epic music video there, and I believe you were pretty hands on with that. Yeah. So um, that was that was a bit of a mission because for since ever I've been into music, you know, so you're talking like early teens. Um, I always imagined that at some point when I was in a band that I would do you know uh, or b- very much be hands-on with our first music video and i've done previous music stuff in the past you know tried my hand at at at, at vocals you know wasn't that good at the start and then kind of like came a bit around to it but i sort of realized i was much more comfortable behind behind the kit but once we sort of formed uh this decks i was definitely like okay yep let's uh let's let's do this let's do a video i want to make a concept um and Sort of, yeah, it was very much DIY. It was very much, um, you know, I I did storyboard it. I I did all the things I thought that you should have done. I took some inspiration from other behind the scenes uh, techniques that you you might have seen from other bands. But um, yeah, it was very much, I hope this works sort of scenario. Uh, And and I was, yeah, pretty happy with how it turned out. And we're currently working on the the follow up single, which, uh, yes, which is essentially the sequel of the video clip. So they'll, yes, they'll both work together. Oh, yeah. Um, Have they got you a director's chair yet? For when you're on set, uh, no, I need one. I need one. You should <laughs> should be like director, and then in brackets in smaller print, drummer. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and where was the majority of that footage shot? Ah, uh, yeah. So it's basically like you know, I mean, you're originally from from Esperance, so I guess you can kind of relate. Mm. Uh, there is this sort of sense of you know, we're down down in Albany. It's like, hey, let's represent the Great Southern sort of scenario yeah. and um yeah and, and yeah, I mean you know how it is some of like the the natural locations down here are just phenomenal you that's know it. particularly when you can get the right weather um <laughs> that that's really the key uh, particularly yeah. in, in Albany but um yeah we just sort of thought okay let's let's try and do do the token thing that they do with like you know that they've shot 
I don't know, several things around Albany recently. You know, you started all with like the Lockie Leonard series and you've got H's for Happiness film and Breath the movie and, and all, all, mm. these, all these things that tie together. And they've, they do a thing where if you're from here, you're like, that's not how it works, where they shoot different uh, uh, locations yeah. and they make it seem like that they're right next to each other, yep. but they're not. Mm. And I was just like, well, let's do our own take on that. So it was, it was kind of like a let's do uh, – okay, there's these four sort of uh, environments that this character is in and let's try and somehow tie them together even though they are, you know, kilometres apart. Yeah, well, I mean, you're in the, the best location for it. I mean, obviously it's a tourist – hot spot and everyone wants to go down mm, yeah. there so you it's great to see that you've taken advantage of that and i mean how was it playing drums out in the bush what was the what was the acoustics like out there uh it was actually kind of cool because it was you don't see too much of it but in the background you see this sort of um old concrete structure and it's actually a world war ii bunker oh. like a custom built bunker and it's sort of like it actually goes underground and stuff so it would have been cool if we had and I thought to do stuff inside there, but um, out, out on a on a random farm sort of <laughs> scenario out, out in the bush. And basically the main reason why we chose that was because, well, at least I can play for a bit here and not piss anyone off because yeah. there's no neighbours. <laughs> so, um, yeah, um, and so what, as I mentioned earlier, the idea of you know, taking inspiration from uh, other bands with their, their techniques is... I remember years ago seeing the making of uh, Linker Park in the end video clip where they filmed a lot of it at twice speed oh, and then yeah. slow it slow it down. Yeah. Um, and so it gives it, even though it's in time, it gives it that sort of slow-mo flow yeah. feel. Yeah. And um, and so we did that with uh, select parts of the of the um, performance aspect yeah. of the video. So so the, like the drums that I play in the video, I played at twice the speed oh um yeah yeah and then <laughs> and then so it kind of gives the symbols that little bit more of a dramatic yeah dramatic flow so yeah um that was certainly interesting yeah, was um, it- particularly once you had a i had a bit of a I had a, an AirPod in one ear. I tried to keep it out of out of the frame, but mm. when you've got a, a click going at double time, it's quite unnatural. Yeah, <laughs> I bet it would have been. You would have almost had to learn the song again in a way, like it, because it would have the grooves would have all been different, and would have been. I should be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, and, and I think the scenario is because in uh, I, you know, the other members of the band could could definitely agree with this. When it came to the timing and stuff, you know, on set per se, I was very much like, great, cool, wrap it up. Yep, let's move on to the next bit because I know how the timing and everything can blow out. It's very easy to have in your head, okay, I want to achieve XX next scenes in this day, in this afternoon that we're shooting and we Mm. need to get it done and I've allowed X amount of time. So it was kind of like... I just did the drum part the first take because I didn't have much time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so it was. Uh, yeah, it was just kind of like let's wing it. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 always tough wearing multiple caps, isn't it? Like when you, mm, you know, mm. I always envy uh, bandmates in different things where it's like I'd love to just rock up and just do what someone told me to do. Like uh, you're obviously very hands on with your band, and um, I do photo shoots for my band and I feel the same and I'm sweating and then I'm getting into the yes. shot and I'm taking the foot photos of myself and I'm always looking the worst because I'm sweaty because I'm trying to do the camera gear and they're all just able to chill and relax. But. Oh, it's it's crazy though because um, even when it come, came to us recording the uh, performance footage for this this upcoming video, which we've done that part, um, 
our singer rocks up and she's like, oh, I didn't mean to go out the night before, but I did sort of thing. And she's like <laughs> looking like that. She, you know, you know, when you can tell that someone like looks like you can tell that they feel like shit, even though they kind of like look all right. I'm like, oh, you'll look fine in the video clip, but you know, behind the scenes, it's just like, oh, they have the worst hangover. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it was like that sort of scenario. I was like, no, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. Yeah. You've got the, you've got the, the makeup and you, you've, you've done, you've got the look, you've got the look down pat and everything. So it'll be okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just the yeah. fake smile will get you through that. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I can't even imagine, I don't know if, uh, how much you can comment on this sort of stuff with, with what you've done with Nucleus, but because um, we are yet to have done a, a tour, I'm yet to experience that sort of, okay, you're on a tour and you have to do a show with oh, the aftermath of the night before. It would be tough, um, I Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, we are trying to plan a WA tour for early next year. So if yeah. we can pull that off, then yeah, then maybe... Um, Maybe I'll be able to tell you how, what it's like. Yeah, you know, I mean, with a hangover. Yeah, I bet behind the kit, it's a it'd be totally different because you've just got those the loud noise in your ear, and everyone's always saying, "Oh, I'm hungover. I can't deal with loud noises." And if you're a drummer, then <laughs> yeah, you would just be hitting yeah. very softly. I, if if I ever see you playing with brushes, I, I'll probably I'll probably guess you're hungover. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the difference is between you know you guys are obviously far far more in the in the metal category and and technical category sort of thing. So at least I know I'll have some breathing room with the style of music that we play. So the soft parts, I can just be like, "This is fine. This is fine." So <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, well, if you're your own worst enemy, like I am, then you usually write parts that you struggle to do sober, let alone hungover. Yes, yes. So I always bite <laughs> off more than I can chew, quite literally. In, yeah, right. <laughs> in the songs, so that's always always good. And I was, um, you've been doing a podcast for a while now. I don't know when that started, but you, what was the inspiration behind getting that going? Yeah, so take my tone. Um, if anyone has listened to it so far, we'll notice it's on a, a bit of a hiatus at the moment. That's mm. more just due to general like work commitments and family commitments and stuff. But I am planning a return of sorts, uh, preferably in the streaming sort of zone. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so how that all began is way, maybe even f- four or five years ago, I first got into podcasting. I was doing uh, uh, tech podcasting and because a lot of that revolves around the news cycle, Yeah. it was all good at the time. Um, but once you realize that episodes have just become throwaway, you know, you have to hit it with a news cycle, you have to hit it at a certain, as it's happening. Yeah. And like, what's the point of someone listening to a week later sort of scenario? I think I get what you I was mean, like, well, yeah. yeah, yeah. And so I was like, well, I want to do something completely out of that because I was kind of like getting a bit burnt out by that that sort of constant cycle. And so I was like, well, music's my other big passion. And so I want to do something that is uh, evergreen content. Yeah. So it's just it's going to be perfectly, yeah. exactly, perfectly listenable uh, down the track. And so... I love, um, I've always been intrigued by the idea of, and, and you could definitely, I guess, relate to this, that idea of listening to music that is generally separate from what's popular. I mean, think genre, genres come and go and, and all that sort of stuff. But generally, yeah. if you're talking like heavier stuff, um, it, it's, it's always on the outside per se. And so I... I always found myself either both enjoying and not enjoying talking about or showing someone my music. It's like I almost wanted them to not like it. 
because yeah. they they were they were sort of like from a I only listen to pop radio scenario, and mm. it's almost like part of it is like you're intrigued of them being well. Oh, how can you listen to this? Versus you kind of also want to show them the the value and and the technique and that that goes into that type of music. Yeah, I guess. Um, I guess them liking your music might, in a way, make you feel like it's discrediting your music. It's like, wait, you like Beyonce, yes. but then I've, I hope you don't yes. like my music. Otherwise, you, you know. <laughs> it's so it's such a weird, it uh, is, yeah. like protection sort of like not not so mm. it's like semi elitist, I guess, in a way. But yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so I was like, well, first of all, I want to break that kind of awkwardness because really at the end of that, it's pretty stupid. So I was like, well, I also want to know more about and the reasons why people are into other types of music that I wouldn't listen to. So Take My Tone was literally like, okay, how? what's the best way to compare two artists? Present a song each. I'll present a song I like, they present a song they like, and then we can just dissect it speak about what we do or don't like about it and then maybe provide it that bit more uh, background info. Mm. Um, it's sort of, it's not so much a case of trying to convince someone uh, or, or trying to change yeah. someone's mind, but more like, this is why I arrived mm. to this decision. This is why I like this particular song. Or it's artist. sort of like an open um, debate in a way as well. Like how yeah, you yeah. sort of, you're comparing notes, but in more of an open discussion as opposed to like a debate, but it is yeah, good exactly. like that. I kind of thought, because I mean, a lot of your podcasts episodes, it'll be generally be like you've picked sort of a metal song and then they'll have picked something, you know, in the more commercial realm. But I thought maybe if I came on the podcast, maybe I'd I'd pick a Kill Switch song and you're a big fan of Kill Switch and you would pick a Kill Switch yeah, song. Exactly. And yes, uh, yes. We, could, we could compare notes on who we like better, Jesse Leach or Howard. I thought that'd be a funny Yeah. One. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and, and, and that's the thing is like, it's like I came in with the original concept and then it is open to all scenarios because I'm friends with so many people that like similar type of music to myself as well, which was actually probably the more challenging aspect if I ever got a guest on that I didn't realize was a metalhead or something. <laughs> yeah. Um. So there was one episode I did where they – I chose, uh, they chose Conchita Worst, which was that uh, um, Eurovision winner. Oh, yeah. Sort of thing. So, yeah, yeah. And 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 so I ha- I, I just based purely my uh, expectations on their song choice. I chose Lamb of God, right? Thinking this is complete opposite, which it was stylistically. It came down to doing our reactions. They're like, oh, I'm a huge Lamb of God fan. And I was just like, crap now what do we talk about like <laughs> and so we spent most of the time just talking about how much we love that band <laughs> rather than actually um doing the the whole i, I guess the the expected process of trying to sort yeah. of <laughs> give back give some history and that sort of thing so um yeah i am i'm throwing some curveballs like that but i certainly um yeah I, I have had that in the back of my mind thinking like well yeah if i do get someone that either listens to stuff that's very similar or in some ways some people listen to stuff that's heavier again mm. um it's like well where 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 do you go sort of thing yeah so um yeah it's quite interesting well i look forward to the uh, the comeback and uh, hopefully i can jump on there with you 
on that. Oh, absolutely, man. I'd, I'd love to have you on. Um, I, I, now that you've kind of lined up the idea of the uh, Jesse, Jesse versus Howard, uh, I always think that's very interesting to discuss. So, um, yeah, you could I, do I, like I have, I have my uh, soft spot to both of them. So, yeah, yeah. Exactly. You could have me on and, uh, you know, would probably have to flip a coin. I don't know who I'd side with. And then you could do one with Lachlan McLeod, uh, yes. who's a big yep. uh, fan of also, and you could do a three-part episode of, of, <laughs> of Killswitch versus Killswitch. A- a- everyone, majority of the audience would be like, who is this and who cares? But I can, I, you know, <laughs> we would all just be frothing over that. I think it would be a 10-hour long podcast. I just think it's funnier that, like, this this episode, the headline could be Jaden proposes a three-way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's it. <laughs> Clickbait. Yeah. In brackets, Jesse. Or Jesse. Jesse. <laughs> oh. Well, no. so who inspired you to pick up your first instrument? You're obviously playing drums at the moment, but has that always been yep. your go-to or have you sort of delved in a lot of things? I know you used to sing in a band. and Yeah, so I was kind of like, um, again, I, I was very detached from – music or being serious about it right until year eight. So it's a classic high school scenario. Yep. And basically the the entrance point for me into anything involving alternative or heavy music is Linkin Park, right? So I was prime time, year eight, year 2000, like it's like the, the perfect storm, right? For, for yeah. timing, uh, particularly with, you know, by that stage, that's like second or maybe even third wave of of new metal right so yeah um and and then yeah so from there it was very much uh you know you find like-minded people and then i kind of like headed back and then i became like a huge corn uh, fan so they they were essentially like link apart was the gateway but corn was like the primary band for me yeah and so all throughout that time i was like man i want to be a dj in a band like oh, and that yeah. was like that was that was my original thing i was like wow. I be you want to scratch or something kind yes, of thing. yes yeah exactly wow. um and it came to a point where uh it, it, you know it's coming up for like a like a christmas time i was trying to convince my parents like oh i want to get either a bass guitar because i was like oh bass sick and i was like or turntables um and they actually they end up getting me turntables and i because you, you know how some, it might be like when you're younger and because you're not awesome straight away you get discouraged yeah uh it was kind of like that situation where i was just like oh man like spent you know a month trying to like become awesome and wasn't <laughs> and so um so yeah i was just kind of like oh man this sucks now i've got these sort of turntables and no vinyl to play on it so um yeah it it uh it very much you know i was so absolutely obsessed by music everything was music um i would take we'd have our uh what high school sports days and i would draw kemi pen flames on my arms and shit like that like uh, oh. just yeah, yeah, you, you do all the things to try and be like, you know, you go to a Catholic private school, but you're trying to look edgy as hell. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I, I was all about that, but I didn't actually um, get into any sort of performancing until your year 11, uh, year 12 era, where uh, me and a bunch of mates were like, let's do a cover band. Mm-hmm. And um, we pretty much did rap rock covers. So it oh. was Rage Against the Machine. Yeah. Uh, and and I was, I was, we had a dual mic situation. We played at our year 12 ball, uh, doing all, all that sort of stuff. Uh, you know, Gorilla Radio, everything. Oh. Um, and yeah, so my entrance was essentially rapping over riffs. Really? Uh, that, was, that, was, that was my entrance. So, uh, and you, you were know, on the vocals. Yeah, on the vocals, yes. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And, uh, um, but I guess the idea is that 
what you could kind of gauge is so there's this 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 explosion this genre of music you know at the time being called new metal whether you call it alternative metal whatever right it's very much has a groove based Mm. aspects to it right um which is why you know years later you get something like gent comes out and i was very much drawn to that because of that like down-tuned uh groove-based style yeah um and so that part is always that's the main thing that really draws me in with music so it's kind of like whether you have the 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 rapping going on and you kind of got like rhyming patterns and you're locking into a beat um or or even the the whole wanting to do scratching and stuff uh you know when i was uh, a lot younger um, I've always, it, it, it always made a lot of sense that I ended up on the drums basically because yeah. everything, a lot of it comes back to a, a beat and I've always felt like the lock between drums and bass is very much underrated, uh, in, yeah. in a lot of genres. And so I've, I've just been like championing that the entire time. And I kind of like, you know, did some, did some stuff on and off, uh, with my friends just, it, you know, he was he did like a solo acoustic thing, and I I played drums for him, sort of thing. And um, over the course of time, um, you know, tried my hand at like at, at vocals. I formed another band, sort sort of thing, and where it wasn't rapping. And it's like you, you know, when you first try and do singing, and and you and you think that you're like really pulling it off, and then years later you listen back to it, and you're cringing so hard. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's it's just it's just that 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 whole growth and and journey of kind of like it's really weird i feel like doing going through that that growth journey and and experimenting with things and finding things that come naturally when i didn't grow up with music like there's a lot of people that like oh yeah my parents played me this and i was inspired by this and beatles this and and, and everything and I, I didn't have any of that yeah so it was very much a self-driven thing yeah i can kind of relate to that i mean my dad has played in bands forever and I always remembered as a kid watching him have band practice and watching him play at the pub and stuff like that. But it was the same for me as like it was just something that happened and I guess maybe underlying it sort of subliminally was inspiring me. But, yeah, I, I didn't get into music until year eight as well. Mm, and yeah, I, yeah. what got me into music in year eight was an Il Nino CD that someone had in a CD collection, one of my parents friends were over and they had a big cd thing and of course they're all full of cds and i'm going through it don't even like music at that point really was that um was that revolution revolution or yeah. confession revolution revolution yeah, okay yeah cool yeah. and i'm yeah. going through this cd case and i'm like you need it what's that is oh, you wouldn't like that i'm like yeah i want that one and that's the only cd i took from the case you know <laughs> because he said i wouldn't like it and yeah i just loved it and then i was like you know dad you've been nagging me to play guitar i'm ready Buy me one. Let's do it. Mm, mm, and I mm. did it. That's very interesting knowing that from you, particularly with your like love and inspiration of what has then created things like Sympathy for Tiffany. Yeah, yeah. Do, like, do you know what I mean? Like, because like, I kind of gathered, you know, through the little bit that I knew about you back then that, oh, this is essentially like a guy that has the nostalgia for pop punk but then also likes metalcore and that that's kind of like the the vibe that i originally had but to, for for il nino to be your entrance is quite interesting yeah because it was i mean i got into il nino got me on the i want to do music but then i realized that uh as a guitarist that's only been playing for a few weeks i'm not going to be able to play stuff like that i'm playing more stuff like green day and white stripes and then i yeah so yeah. I, and i wanted to play guitar so badly i 
me and some metal friends that couldn't play metal but wanted to just started up a, a cover band until we were proficient enough to start playing metal. Yeah, wow. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, it took a while. Like we'd have band practice where we'd be playing, you know, Grin Spoon and Silver Chair and that sort of stuff and then we'd, yeah, nice. then we'd just play like, you know, the easy riffs in like Trivium's Ascendancy or something. We'd play like yep, yep. a quarter of yep. Light Light to Flies and be like, yeah, we've been working on that for weeks. <laughs> <laughs> we're 25% awesome. Yeah. But those octaves, oh, we're in the tabs and we're like, octaves, what? what is that symbol? Why is there a cross there? How are we meant to? We just skipped anything that had an octave in it. We couldn't figure it out. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but, wow. Yeah, it, yeah. In saying that, like, what's the creative process for you, like, when you're writing music? And that could be for in general or, or for your, your current band. Like, do you, yeah, do you get things um, rolling it, with a drum beat or? Uh, yeah, so it's really interesting. Like, um, there's a period of time where I really got into drum programming. Um, yeah. And that was more a case of I had a previous band and my brother moved to Perth sort of scenario. It's like, well, we need a jam somehow. So, hey, Simon, you can recreate the drum tracks sort of thing. Mm. And that was really where I just like learned how to, and not just recreate the drum tracks in the sense of just have something basic to, or very robotic to jam along to. I was like specifically trying to make it sound that bit more realistic or yeah. try and put, go in and individually with uh, different beats, actually adjust the intensities and things like that to make any rolls yeah. or stuff. And that's sound where it more gets realistic. hard. That's where it's- Yes, it's exactly. The, you know, most people think, uh, you know, programming drums is the issue is trying to make it sound good when, uh, for lack of a better term, it's about making it sound bad or, or natural or humanized, I guess. But natural, for a non-music yeah, yeah. person, the idea would be, well, I'm trying to introduce- bugger ups basically in a way you know inconsistencies because that's uh, yeah trying trying to actually specifically shift things slightly before or after the grid yeah you know um, and, and things like that mm. yeah because the idea in my mind was like i didn't want to go to all this effort of making a track and then us decide oh hey let's release a demo or a recording and let's use that drum track it's like well you know, I'd rather have it kind of ready to go. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, we did release one single um, back under that band name of Ark, which had uh, digital, digitally composed drums. And I, 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 even now, when I listen to it, like I'm actually like pretty happy with how the drums turned out. So, do you think anyone uh, yeah, noticed, but, or did anyone bring it up that it was? Did anyone say um, was that real drums? I, I'm not really sure. Yeah, I'm not really sure because I think the only person that brought it up was this one guy that we kind of were like, oh, hey, you know, like you can play drums for us, but he was a bit of a, I mean, you know how it is. You get some of those musicians that are quite cocky. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I think it was that case. I think I might have either let slip or, hey, like I'd love to get you to re-record these drums. And then he spent all the time bagging the digital drums. Oh. I was kind of like, I, I'm instantly regretting my decision on letting you in. <laughs> oh, well, I'll let you in on a secret. Like with uh, Nucleus, a lot of people um, – Recently, I've been trying to help a mate's band out and they're doing some recording and they use the same sound engineer and they record all, you know, we just track everything, DI'd ourselves and the same mix engineer. Mm, mm, and yeah. um, they think our damp, our final product sounds heaps better and they're saying, you know, we're, we're doing another song through them but we're a bit worried because for once we're doing MIDI drums and we're hell stressed that it's going to sound bad. You know, you guys' stuff sounds really good and, you know, now we're, we've gone from acoustic to MIDI, it's going to be even worse. And I was like... 
The reason it sounded bad was because you're using acoustic drums and you didn't have money to track it properly. We use MIDI drums. And they're like, you yeah, guys use yeah. MIDI drums? But like, everything we've released is MIDI drums. What do you think? We're made yeah. of money? And it blew them away. And they thought yeah. that because it was That's MIDI, awesome. it would sound worse. When it's quite the opposite for metal anyway. I mean, if you're going to use MIDI drums, it's cheaper and it's going to sound professional. And yeah. if you have yeah. the right well, person like- program it, then... Yeah. Oh, exactly. Um, when we recorded uh, uh, the song for the first video, uh, yeah, we were talking about my current band, Liz Dexic, uh, the song Face of the World, we, we recorded the whole thing acoustically. We tried our best uh, at set up with, with a mate in, his, uh, in a room in his house, mm. uh, only to then replace the kick and the toms with triggered, like replace it with MIDI. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but the thing is, it's, it's, it's using the real playing mm. um so we're not we're not programming it in or anything but purely just from a as you say money setup scenario you try your best to get a good kick sound or something and it's just like well at the end of the day we're still using the same playing it's still it's you know using superior drummer to 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 replace it you know it's doing the best job it can um in terms of like you know how hard something's hit and everything yeah um, and at the end of the day, I don't think anyone's pulled us up on it because it's so standard to- now. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And you could spend, you could spend, you know, a couple of thousand dollars hiring out a nice studio, probably hiring the engineer to run the desk and stuff. And then maybe mm. you get new skins for your drum kit, which might run you into a couple of hundred dollars if you do tops and bottoms. And then you got to tune it all and then you make sure it's all good. And then you go through all of that effort, spending days tracking a single or something, and then you send it to a mix engineer and he just triggers everything anyway so you might it's uh yeah can, it's i mean i know sometimes they can push it could push it too far in the sense of the reason and this one's a bit different because of the style of music but the reason gene hoagland left fear factory is because of just the amount of programming that goes into the drums for that sound and so yeah. he was just kind of like well you've got one of metal's best drummers playing on something that's just going to be digitally replaced anyway. Yeah, so, it, it's yeah. got to be disheartening. And I do feel for drummers because they, a lot of those drummers like that guy you mentioned who was rubbishing MIDI drums, it's it's probably not even – it's more down to his insecurities. You know, he's, he probably was thinking, well, this, you know, it, it sounds better than me. And it's it's – it's hard because it, I, I see it all from a producer's perspective. So for me, it's money, efficiency, and quality at the end of the day. If if I was a music nerd and I'm seeing it from a musician's standpoint, then yeah, get on your drum kit, do all of that, that's fine. Mm, mm. And you might get a good flavour, vibe, but at the end of the day, it's like someone that's listening to music that isn't into music or recording, they just hear it. If they hear it and it doesn't sound like a good quality, they're not going to listen anyway. So, mm, mm. and to me, it's kind of like with how the recording turned out. I just before we went in to record that, which was back in January, mm. um, I was like, okay, I definitely want to get some better cymbals and stuff. And so, I either got some new ones or I got some like really good quality, you know, secondhand ones, classic, you know, gas gas station yeah, call out yeah. there. Um, and you know, awesome, awesome ring out, just real, real quality, uh. You know, made symbols. You could you know, instantly you can tell when something's just that much thicker and heavier, and mm. and all that sort of stuff. Um, so to me, it's kind of like, well, at least I got to showcase those. Yeah, that's a, the a thing. Bit, you know, right? Yeah, like yeah. You buy so this at the end of the kit, day, you need to use it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's kind of like I, I started with a. I, you know, I'm still using it. It is a. Uh, 
uh, secondhand pearl kit, but I've essentially built it up over time by replacing it with a like I got you know a new double kick for it, the newer symbols and 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 the newer stands and everything. And it's eventually I'll get to the point where I'll replace the the primary you know um, hardware itself. But yeah, you know, I, I I don't mind that where people can kind of like in some ways Frankenstein a kit together. Yeah, um, I, I've tried to keep it brand consistent though um uh, you know I, I do sometimes see people at a, a especially a local gig down here and they've got every single symbol is a different brand <laughs> yeah because <laughs> they've decided to take it where you can get it but same with hey. shells you see that occasionally that's always funny and you see yeah. different toms <laughs> yeah but yeah, I, it's good. I yeah. think it's with the midi drum thing i think it's it's really easy to make a, a midi a midi electric drum kit sound good for metal and it was like just today I was doing some stuff with SVT and I was trying to get a nice natural, natural drum yes. sound. And it was really difficult. Yep. And I kind of thought, well, mm. depending on the genre, it, it might actually be easier to get a nice natural sound from a real kit with just one mic up as opposed to this uh, V8 engine that is Superior Drummer with, you know, a thousand yeah, different and, mics. And, and, and the thing is, you know, if you're going for something like that, that's more going to be, say, like single kick based – and and, mm. and maybe even a slower tempo and stuff. The it slower tempos. That's what. Yeah. That's what it sort of lacks in that that natural vibe from a slow tempo on a kit is. Yeah. Exactly. Be, and mm. so so all that sort of stuff and any any element of like swing and things like that. It's like um, if especially if it's technical metal and it, and it's and it's fast and it's full on it's chaotic. You need it to cut through. So that's where the MIDI comes into shine. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, uh, for, for us, when you come back to your original question about, about songwriting, um, I mean, we've only technically released, uh, one song, but our second song was quite different from the first one. Um, but you'll already see it kind of showcases different, uh, aspects of the band. So it's kind of like, we need, at least from a production standpoint for it to sa- have that authentic mm. rock feel or, or, or more, um, uh, kind of like ethereal vibe rather than just like a triggered symbol yeah. awkwardly cutting in, in through the, the, the mood. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Because do you guys write as a band in your traditional sense of in a jam room, guns are blazing? Yes. Yeah. I miss yes. that. Yeah, How do you guys find, did you, did you all just jump in a room and then that all just sort of happened organically or did you all have to sort of sit down and really put everyone's sort of you know, job rolls on. It's like, I'm going to start drumming. You're going to do a bit of this. Because I always find it's really chaotic sometimes with the new bands when they'll get in a room. Yeah. I, I guess part of it's trying to just pick up on the vibe of like everyone at the time. Because, mm. you know, some people, someone might have had a shit day at work or whatever. And it's kind of like, well, maybe they just want to, you know, just, just jam out what they know and they don't really want to spend time trying to think up new stuff or or anything like that. But Sometimes what happens is we'll go in and we'll just go, okay, let's just run through four songs and then we can just decide what we want to do next. And then we'll just randomly, like the bass player will just play something. Just no, He won't even say it. He'll just start playing something. Yeah. And then I'll just start jamming along. I'm like, that's sick. And then we end up replacing the entire jam with let's work on this new song that we just created just now. Yeah. You know, like that sort of thing. And, and I love that. Yeah. Um, we're kind of like caught in that at the moment where yeah. we've been working on this song, but we've got a, a show coming up in December. And it's like, well, <laughs> yeah. do, do we try and like, you know, pr- you know, fast track that to, 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 pr- to play it live for the first time? Or do we just think, 
no, let's actually kind of like put it to the side and just get tight again for our normal set. Yeah, you'll find the inspiration strikes at all the wrong times. Like if you if you should yeah. you should be preparing <laughs> for a show, but probably diverging into a new song. And but I think that's great that you're able to do that. Like if inspiration strikes. And you guys can just do it. Whereas, I mean, especially mm. uh, in my experiences in bands, the music's usually been written by one person or two people in a room in front of a computer. And then the rehearsal rooms is not really a place for writing. It's literally just a place for people to learn the song. Rehearsal. Yeah. It's a totally yeah. different vibe. And I miss that because uh, I've played in bands that aren't metal, that are more jammy orientated when they write. And that type of feel when you're writing and it's, it's such a better experience and I feel like metal guys wouldn't even know what that feels like. They just wouldn't even understand it. Yeah. I, I think it's part of just the, the general pressures, particularly in your um, – for all the songs I've I've heard from, from Nucleus especially, it's like there's a lot demanding on being on point and, and tightness and everything like that. So oh, it's yeah. just kind of like – It would take a year to ways, write a song like that in a jam room, talking over the loud instruments. Hey, can yeah. you draw this triplet <laughs> instead of the quad there? We're going to do it. Exactly. Exactly. And, and then like, you know, you would get there thinking, okay, well, we're paying X for this rehearsal space. So let's just, you know, like I, I guess just being locked in that very granular focused mindset. Mm. And so it's like you just want to make most of the time and – and, and I, I, I totally get how that could be. Mm. Um, but at least um, for us, well, during this time anyway, you know, like COVID and stuff, it's kind of like our jams have just become way more free form because nowhere had been available to mm. put us up for, for shows. So it's not until now in December that, that they were able to, 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 you know, to finally get back to the stage, which is kind of like making me a bit nervous because like, man, it's been so long. Like yeah. it's been since March. So, yeah, was, you know. Um, I was going to ask yeah. how that is in, so like living in a small town with a band, I mean, what are some of the pitfalls besides, you know, the the beautiful scenery, the the lack of traffic and the, the beautiful, <laughs> there's no air pollution and, uh, you know, what, what, do you, what sort of troubles do you face down there, if any? Uh, troubles is lack of venues lack of opportunities mm-hmm. to play so there have been shows that have been running the entire time since when first covid sort of you know was a thing um to now uh, and and as, as we can both describe you know for anyone listening outside wa we are super super lucky in wa yes. for four four bands and everything that stuff is all thriving you know yeah um but yeah it's just a case of there is a little bit of hesitation because of our type of music. Like we're not all metal, but we have metal aspects. So it's just kind of like there is part of that. There is that sort of small town like, oh, cover bands are the ones that draw the crowd sort of scenario and mm, yeah. or solo acoustic, a lot of solo acoustic. And the you know, cafes can, and yeah. Yes, cafes. Venues can't always stuff, accommodate yeah. for a band and that's sort of half the pr- – yeah. they just want a DJ or just some pretty face on an acoustic singing – Singing Kumbaya, really, most of the time. Yeah, pretty much, and and it's kind of like um, a lot, a lot of the venues down here, which is is a sort of limited amount anyway, are waiting for Phase Five because of the social distancing, you know, rule like rule restrictions being relaxed. So yeah, b- before they feel like they want to um, open up, it's kind of like now it's at the point where for those sort of venues, it's like like the one place that we used to play all the time, it's like, you could still pull this all off. Just shift the stage to the back where you've got the seated 
like dining area yeah and you can still put shows on there's a a venue next door which is the one that we're going to play at that do have a a dedicated like back room stage thing and and it is separated by seats but it still has that proper gig vibe and not like a awkward sort of restaurant vibe mm. and so um you know they they've managed, they've been putting on shows of full proper live electric bands for the past several months yeah. while a lot of the others have just been sitting still twiddling their thumbs. Oh uh, no, I bet a lot of a lot of the world is very jealous of us. I mean, I guess Absolutely. given, you know, given it's quite a touristy town, I, I guess a lot of the venues do feel like their throats are getting cut. So they probably are, you know, in hibernation, but I bet the locals are still screaming out for for something to do, you know. Oh, absolutely, because you will see um, the places that do open, even just the bars and stuff, they are packed, like, and they, they're having to do the classic, okay, yeah, we've hit X amount capacity here, um, and and then, okay, you you next, you overflow, people have to go yeah. outside sort of scenario, but then it kind of loosens up a bit. So, you know, I, I think, yeah, part of it is just that, I guess fear of okay, what happens if a venue, if something does happen at a at a venue because they weren't following the rules one hundred percent, versus like how long do they leave it before they think of other ways to accommodate more than just your one person act? Yeah, yeah. I I've got a question about your pet that you've got. You've got a quite a strange pet. What what made you get one of them? Well, I have many pets anyway mm-hmm. uh so before i talk about that um and, and th- this will kind of like gauge you a little bit of a insight mind into my marriage i guess <laughs> it's kind of like before i was before i was allowed or it was even deemed comfortable to get this uh, this yet to be named pet um i had to go through two dogs a cat seven guinea pigs a chicken a bird a hermit crab, and I'm sure I'm forgetting something else. So, <laughs> yeah, so we, we, we're quite, uh, my hands are full. Um, yeah, and so I was like, well, it, came, it was coming up to my birthday last year, and I was like, I've for my life I've been obsessed with reptiles. I was like, I really want to get a pet python. Mm. And so I have a, uh, yes, a Stimson's python. It's now about a year and a half old. Um, we had a, uh, a, a barbecue with a whole bunch of mates and all their kids around last night for the footy grand final and um yeah it was just so funny just uh i suddenly pulled out my pet monty monty python obviously yeah Anyone, uh, <laughs> knowing knowing me and my love for wordplay uh yeah and and the kids were like loved it um and the parents of the kids freaked out so that was quite funny um <laughs> and i guess those guinea pigs um that you know they took a bit off the food bill i guess monty Took them off your hands, those. Oh no, no, no! We still have. They're, they're definitely too big, but um, but I, I do. It is quite strange keeping packs of frozen mice in your freezer. So yeah, I see them at um, the pet store, and I think, wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, that's uh, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty cool. Um, and and he hasn't you know, gone now out. It's kind of like, no, no, he hasn't. Like um. You know, if anyone's uh, unaware, when you get a, a pet snake, you have to keep them like in a container for essentially the first year of their life. Oh. Um, so they stay in like like a click clack plastic container. You know, you put holes in it, obviously for aeration, and you just upsize it the bigger they get. Yeah. And the reason for this is because um, you have it 
that container uh, in an enclosure and that enclosure has like certain heating set up. So what you do is you put the container like half on, on, on like a heated area and half not. So they learn, the snake learns as they grow to regulate their temperature. So, cause they're cold blooded. So they're, they're, they shift from one side of the container to another. Oh, wow. And so by the time they, they get to a year old, they're smart enough to have learned all that and then now he's out and he's got like all his uh t-rex skull uh accessories and like <laughs> he's branches out. and stuff and he's but he uh, man i've never seen a snake so scared of sand wow. it was bizarre like i guess imagine if you were brought up your all throughout your life and you've only ever walked on plastic and then you're suddenly you have to <laughs> be made to walk on sand, it would be pretty freaky. Yeah, I reckon. So, um, the, full, the, yeah. The, the ground is just like crumbling underneath me. Yeah, that would be so <laughs> strange. So, yeah, no, he's no, he's a legend. So, um, And it's just a mate, like, again, people that are either, you know, generally either scared of snakes or, or just sort of don't understand it. You know, yeah. people love their dogs and, and they go away and they come back and their dogs are happy to see them. It's really cool coming back from being away, say, for a week or something, and your snake is happy to see you when you can tell wow. that they're actually happy. Like, like they, they will come to you really quickly and then they'll, like, wrap around you and they're almost, like, squeezing your hand as if just, like, giving you a hug. And wow. it's just so bizarre. Wow. Um, but it's a really cool experience, yeah. Yeah, you'll have to, you have to give me some video updates on that. I'd be keen to see. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I think we'll give it a, we'll let you get to your, get to Monty. I bet he's missing you now because uh, we've been chatting for long enough now, I think. And, uh, yeah, no worries. Uh, thank you for coming on again and for everyone to check out the latest video. I, I should be able to link it in the uh, show notes. Um, yeah, if you just go to um, uh, lizdexic.com, so L-I-Z-D-E-X, ic.com yes um and we've yeah we've got it there and then we've just set up some merch recently as well so, oh great um, yeah yeah if if you're a keen you uh, if you're keen of what we do uh then basically yeah, you can have a shirt or a jumper or even a baby onesie uh oh. if you're that way inclined so there you go <laughs> yeah oh, was there anything else you want to add before we let you go any any like what's next for you guys you've obviously got that show coming up What's uh, yeah, so yeah, basically got a show in uh, in December opening for Perth Act Odd Law, yeah, and we um, yeah, like I'm halfway through basically producing the next video. We've got half the footage, we've got to film the rest of it, and there's going to be me trying my hand at uh, animation in it too. Oh, so great! Yeah, I'm quite in, uh, looking forward to seeing how that turns out. Oh, great! Oh, we'll definitely be keeping an ear out for that. And, uh, yeah, well, thanks for that. And um, we'll sign off now. And uh, we'll thank everyone for tuning in and to stay safe, stay metal, and take it easy. Peace out. Gotcha.